A good, did you have a good 4th of July on Thursday? Are, are you awake? Okay, there, 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 there is life out there. Um, it's good to, to be with you this morning. Uh, uh, just a, a note uh, in preparing for today's message. Uh, uh, you know, I, I don't preach that often, so uh, I get a little nervous about it. And so I, I, I like to look at other, uh, other pastors and see what they're doing. And so this is kind of a collaboration of a couple different messages from different pastors, and I, I forgot to write down their, their, their last names, but uh, one of them is Pastor Mike and one is Pastor uh, Larry, and so I wanted to give them uh, some credit for, for uh, portions of this message this morning. But um, before we begin, uh, Scott, can you pray for me? Amen. How many of you like Pixar? You know who Pixar is, all right, all right. Well, uh, there's a, a great scene in the movie, uh, the movie Cars. Uh, and so if the kids were in here, they would be all over that. Uh, but uh, for those of you who might not be familiar with this movie, it's a Disney Pixar animated film, uh, which uh, uh, is, has, is about a famous racing car, uh, and he's on his way to the next big race, and actually ends up falling out of his truck that he's being towed in, carried in, uh, and he ends up lost in, in a podunk town called Radiator Springs. And so in the midst of him stumbling into town and just kind of making a mess of things, uh, Lightning McQueen managed to do a lot of community damage in the town and, and tears up the road and all kinds of things. And so he ends up getting arrested and, and they, they, they put one of these things. Anybody know what this is? Uh, I think they call it a boot. But uh, if, you, if you get a parking ticket and, they, and you can't take your car away, they put this on your tire and you can no longer uh, drive your car because it's in the way. And so they put one of these on, uh, on, on uh, Lightning McQueen. Uh, this one's for my trailer so people don't steal my trailer. But um, anyhow, uh, so he gets arrested, uh, and he's put into an impound lot with uh, one of these tire boots, and then he's sentenced to community service, which requires that he repave the whole main street uh, that he tore up in town. And so uh, one of the more memorable scenes of the movie is removed uh, from Lightning McQueen. And so let's take uh, and see what happens. You're going to fix the road under my supervision. What? This place is crazy. Hey, and I know this might be a bad time right now, but uh, you owe me $32,000 in legal fees. What? So we're going to hit you up to Sweet Bessie, and you're going to pull her nice. You got to be kidding me. You start there where the road begins. You finish down there where the road ends. Holy shoot! Whoa, 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 how long is this gonna take? Well, fella does it right, should take him about five days. Five days? But I should be in California schmoozing Dynaco right now. Then if I were you, I'd quit yapping and start working. Hook him up later. Okie dokie. Freedom is what he shouts. 
Uh, and that's what he yells as he just disappears out of, out of view. Uh, but what Lightning McQueen doesn't uh, know is that the sheriff, uh, during the night, siphoned his gas out of his gas tank. And so uh, the sheriff knew that the race car wasn't going to go very far out of town. And sure enough, uh, just a few miles down the road, Lightning McQueen runs out of gas and breaks down. And when his come car, car comes to a stop, uh, the sheriff, and I forget the other blue car's name. Uh, anybody remember? Sally? No? Is it Sally? I don't remember the blue Anyhow, no. Some say yes, some say no. Anyhow, the sheriff comes out from behind a billboard, and of course, he uh, takes him back into custody, has Mater come out, tow him back to town, and now he has even more community service that he has to do because he was trying to escape. Uh, and so... Uh, I, I share this with you not because I love cars, which I do, uh, but I share it because this scene allows us to begin thinking about freedom. Uh, it also helps us to consider the use and abuse of freedom. And so freedom is, is a powerful word. <clears throat> it can mean many different things to, to many different people. And so to some people, uh, to someone in, in an actual prison or jail, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, freedom simply means uh, to be released from imprisonment. To someone who is in bondage of, to fear, freedom means to be released from fear. To people who are oppressed uh, by their government or political tyrant, uh, freedom means a release from an oppressive government. That's the freedom that we celebrate in our country, this, that we celebrated this past Thursday on the 4th of July, Independence Day. Other people look back through their history and they think of freedom in other terms. For example, the, uh, the, uh, uh, excuse me, the abol ugh, abolition of slavery, uh, the right to vote, and then there are even those who hold uh, the extreme view and think that freedom means that there are, they are free to do whatever they want. There are those, uh, there, there should be no restrictions or laws, there should be no restrictions on our personal freedoms. While most of us realize that we are a nation of chaos and anarchy, freedom is different depending on where you live. Here in the United States, we have no idea what it is like to be able to choose what occupation we want, to worship when, we, when and where we want, or even which God we will worship. Many people around the world don't have these simple freedoms. While here in America, we take them for granted. <clears throat> uh, we are truly the most free people on the planet. And yet, in the midst of this freedom, there are many, many people who aren't really free at all. Romans <clears throat> uh, chapter 1, beginning at verse 8 through uh, 2 verse 1, it says, And since they did not see fit... To acknowledge God, God gave them up to be a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful. Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, 
foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die. They are not only, they do not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Therefore, we have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment to one another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. Here in America, we, uh, we talk a great deal about freedom. We have a huge celebration on, like we did on the 4th of July, and yet when you, you start to think about it, many people are in bondage to something. We are in bondage to gambling. People are addicted to horse racing, dog racing, and, and uh, I know when I go back to, to Susan's family, there's a, a horse racetrack that's right, right in, in the town of Anderson, and, and, and people flock there. Um, and so, uh, you know, people are addicted to the lottery. Um, there's a, you know, I don't know if you've ever gone to the store um, and, and been in the checkout line, uh, but I, I've, I've seen uh, people go through the line, and I can think of one person who, a uh, lady was going through the line, and, and she realized she didn't have enough money uh, to, to pay for her groceries and lottery ticket, so she had the cashier put back the milk so she could buy lottery tickets. Uh, and so her family was affected by the bondage that she was in because she was determined that she was going to win something. Uh, there's a, a, a gentleman who lives in Florida who happens to be a millionaire, and yet he pays the lottery to the tune of hundreds of dollars a week. Uh, and you'd think a millionaire uh, would be satisfied with his wealth, but evident, uh, and he's faithful to it, even though he's, he's quite wealthy. Um, so people are addicted to gambling. People are addicted to pornography. Sexual sin is huge, a huge business to the tune of billions of dollars a year. Many men are hooked on it, and many young women get uh, enslaved by it. For men and boys, it starts out by looking at a swimsuit issue uh, from Sports Illustrated. And, uh, and then they, they move up to, to Playboy, and then on to harder and harder things. And then uh, here in our country, you can, you can find prostitution, strip clubs, pornography in print, pornography on video, uh, pornography on television. You can find men looking for relations with other men and women looking for relations with other women. And no, that's not freedom. That's bondage. People are in bondage to habits. Some of you uh, have a simple habit of nail biting. Uh, or maybe it's overeating or, or maybe a workaholic or smoking or drugs. Millions of people are trapped in a criminal lifestyle in order to finance their addictions. People are in bondage to peer pressure. But it's not just teenagers. Uh, it's the adults too. We try to keep up with the Joneses. We, we, uh, <clears throat> we see them race off to, to get the best and newest gadget uh, and, and try to top our neighbors. Uh, you've probably seen the bumper sticker, whoever dies with the most toys wins. Well, uh, we're bound also to possessions. Now, don't get me wrong. It's nice to have nice stuff. Uh, 
But it's evil to let those things control us. It's more evil, uh, it's bondage. We become trapped by our possessions until we no longer own our possessions, but our possessions own us. I know the older I get, the less toys I really like to have because you have to maintain them all. I mean, you know, it's great to have a mower to mow the yard, but you got to maintain the thing. And it's like, you know, I, you know, we've only had our house now for 10 years. Uh, we purchased it. And it's like, boy, when, when the church owned the house before I bought it, they maintained the house. But now i got to maintain the house. And you know all what that's like. <coughs> and so it's easy to let those possessions take control of us and, and possess us. And so we have to even work harder to be able to keep those things uh, that, uh, that uh, we're, we're in bondage to. People are also in bondage to self. This bondage is more subtle, uh, and therefore it's more dangerous uh, than other forms of bondage uh, may uh, or may not slip into uh, the life of the Christian. But this bondage to self is deceptive, and almost without notice, it can seep into the life of the Christian, and people are in bondage to be myself, or to have my own way, or to protect my rights, or to take care of number one. And so we are self-centered. We are self-conscious, self-seeking, seeking, self-defensive, just plain selfish, and it's all bondage. And so why do you think the Bible has, uh, why do you think the Bible has so much to say about it? In Matthew 16, 24, deny yourself. Uh, in Matthew 8, 34, it says, crucify yourself. And so people are in bondage to the lies of Satan. And Satan will tell you that it's, it's, no, it's hopeless. You can never stop sinning. You will never have victory over sin. You will never get freedom over bondage. Satan wants you to, to tell you that you're a failure, that you are, you're a lousy excuse of a Christian. You don't want to stop sinning anyway. Sin is fun. God won't punish you. God would never really send you to hell. You can do whatever you want. God just wants you to be happy. And so on and so on. And it's all lies. It's all bondage. And it's, it's a very real problem. And so the bottom line uh, is, is real simple. The bottom uh, line is that we are in bondage to sin. This is the problem, isn't it? We are in bondage to sin. Sin is the cause of all this bondage. Romans 2, 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3, 10 to 12. There, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. And then in Ecclesiastes 7.20, there is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. And then 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, if we claim to be without sin... We deceive, uh, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And so, 
Here we have the real culprit. The real source of our bondage is sin. We are all born in sin, and, and it's, like, it's like an infection in us. Someone once said, sin infects everybody. From the pimp to the pope, from the mugger to the mayor, from the Satanist to the saint, sin is universal in its effects. It's an equal opportunity employer. It leaves no one untouched. Sin is a very, very real problem. It's a problem in our world. It's a problem in America. It's a problem here in Summit County. And do I dare say it's a problem even in our church? But we don't have to lose heart. We don't have to lose heart. There is a cure. There is freedom from bondage. There is a cure for sin. Freedom in Christ is the cure for sin and bondage. John chapter 8 verse 32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 8 36 says, So, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And then Romans 6, 18 says, You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And then Romans 6, 14 says, For sin shall not be your master. Yes, bondage is a huge problem in this world. But it doesn't have to be. Sin doesn't have to rule you. You can master it. You can resist it. James 4, 7 says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. We do not have to be in bondage. We can find freedom. Galatians 5, 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Ever since the, the sin of Adam and Eve, the world has struggled with sin. And even today, many people still struggle with bondage. The, and bondage, no matter which form it takes, is caused by sin. Over 200 years ago, our country found freedom. Freedom from foreign oppression. Unfortunately, some people are still in bondage. They may live in the most free nation in the world, but they are still in bondage, bound in sin. Jesus came to break the chains of bondage and set us free. Amen? Do you want to have freedom? True freedom. You don't have to, to be in bondage. You don't have to, to be a slave to sin. You don't have to fail every day, struggling with the same sin day after day after day. You can have freedom. You know, I started uh, this message uh, this morning uh, with cars, and, and I want to conclude with another story about cars. I, I grew up in, in a small town uh, on a small farm in Bechtelsville, Pennsylvania, uh, and, and it wasn't uncommon uh, for parents to give their kids permission to drive the car uh, 
on the country roads. Uh, you can go ahead and do the slide there, Don. Um, and so uh, this is a 1970 Opel Manta, and my mom had this car. And uh, once when I was 12, uh, my mom sent my sister and me to, to Brooks Meat Market a couple miles down the road to pick up a few things. And so she specifically asked me to drive the car uh, and not my sister who was two years older. You can only imagine how offended my sister was. Uh, she was not happy about it, but I, I believe my mom trusted me more with the car than my sister. Uh, but anyhow, we won't get into that. Uh, but, I, but I remember pulling into Brooks Meat Market and pulling into the, the front parking space. And, uh, and as soon as I put the car into park, my sister reached over, turned off the car, and grabbed the keys. And then she uh, it was, began to inform me that she was driving home. And so here's the dilemma. My mom paid for the car, she paid for the insurance, she paid for the gas, she owned the car, but it was the person who held the keys that controlled where the car went, how fast it went, and so my mom had no control over the car. Even though it was hers, she had no control over it. Lightning McQueen, he was given the keys to control his future. When the boot was removed from his tire and he was given freedom, he had a choice to make. He had a choice. He could accept the consequences and turn from sin and truly be free, or he could choose to abuse his freedom and speed right back into bondage of sin, which is what he chose. And so here's the point. God has given us the keys to experience freedom from the bondage of sin. And you have a choice this morning. You can choose to do nothing, abuse your freedom, and, pull down, and be pulled down by the shame and consequences of sin. Or you can make the choice to turn away from sin and allow the love and forgiveness of Jesus to set you free. Because of Jesus and because of his shed blood, you can have freedom. In a few moments, we're going to be sharing in communion together uh, and, and remembering the blood that was shed on the cross. And I want to encourage you to watch this video uh, as we prepare our hearts uh, as we approach the Lord's table this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made, and without Him nothing was made that has been made, and Him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness did not recognize it. The light shines through the darkness, but the darkness didn't even notice. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Even in his own land and among his own people, he wasn't wanted. But to those who believed him, to those who believed in his name, to those who believed he was how he claimed and would do what he said, he gave the right to become children of God. And we have seen his glory, the glory that a one and only son can only receive from his father, full of grace and truth. The word became flesh 
and made his dwelling among us. The word became human and lived here on earth among us. And having become human, he stayed human. He humbled himself. He didn't accept any special privileges. He lived a selfless, obedient life to die a selfless, obedient death. And the worst kind of death at that crucifixion. But it was our sins that did that to him. He was bruised and wounded for everything that we've done wrong. He was wounded for our transgressions, pierced for our iniquities. He did all this just so we could be whole. And God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue confessed that Jesus is the master of all. This is the resurrection, that the Son came and gave his life, that he extended an invitation to know the God of all creation, that he offered us love when we knew no peace, that he offered us relationship when all we knew how to do was keep and break a bunch of rules. This is the resurrection, that in his death we have come to know life, that we can freely offer our life to him. And so as uh, we come to communion, what is communion? It is the regular remembrance and celebration of the Lord's sacrificial death. It's the breaking and eating of bread uh, has, has to do with Christ's body being broken on the cross. The drinking from the cup has to do with the shedding of Christ's blood whereby we are forgiven. And so what is the purpose of communion? As we approach this communion table, we want to take time to remember all that the Lord did for us. This is a time to worship and to give thanks for the forgiveness of our sins and the new life and relationship that we have in Jesus Christ. This time of remembrance uh, was initiated by Jesus just before his death because uh, because we tend to be a forgetful people. In the Old Testament, believers were called to remember the the faithfulness of God through various memorials. In the New Testament, this is the way that Jesus wanted us to remember his love and forgiveness of our sins. 1 Corinthians 11, beginning at verse 23. For I have received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Then verses 27 to 32 explains that communion is a time of personal examination. It is a time to examine our relationship with the Lord and with others. So therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord is unworthy in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself 
before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we judge ourselves, we would not come under judgment. When we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. And so this morning, who can take communion? Any person who believes and trusts the Lord Jesus Christ alone for his or her salvation is welcome to participate in communion this morning. And so we're going to take communion in in a few moments, and I want to encourage you, if you're able, to to form two lines coming down the center aisle uh, and then return through one of the other two remaining aisles. And uh, there are two cups, so if you pick up one set of cups, you're going to have two cups there. The top cup is the juice, the the bottom is the bread. And and we're going to do it a little differently this morning. Typically, we kind of take it together and you hold on to it. But this morning, I want you to take some time to examine yourself. And so whether you want to come and and kneel at the altar or whether you want to take it back to your pew, uh, however you want to do it, I want you to just take some time uh, to reflect and examine yourself and, and offer thanks to God for all that he has done for you, for the freedom that he has given you through his son, Jesus. And, uh, and then when, uh, when we feel like the time is right, uh, Char- Charles and the, the praise team will continue to lead us in worship. And so let me pray uh, over the elements and then uh, let us begin. If you are unable to uh, come forward and take the elements and one of our ushers will bring those to you. Won't you pray with me? My Lord and my God, we give you thanks this morning. We give you thanks for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for these elements that that he has set aside for us to remember, to remember uh, his broken body and and the blood that he spilt on the cross for our sin. And so, Lord, as as we spend time, Lord, help us to, to look into ourselves and to recognize the, the, the things that we are in bondage to. They may not be as serious as, as, as criminals or, or, or heavy addictions. It could be simple, simple things that we kind of look over. Maybe it is nail-biting. Maybe it's overeating. Maybe, you know, whatever it may be. Lord, what are the things that prevent us from becoming the person, the person in Christ that you have always intended us to be? And so, Lord, we give you this time as an act of worship. Use it to break us and build us back up stronger in Christ and in his Holy Spirit. Amen.